All right, I will say good morning. Let us begin. We are going to start Mir Hashem. Today's daf is Yud Beis. Let us begin by thanking our sponsors. The Vegar Tomatel sponsors for the month of Tebeis Yol and Sarah Kelman for dedicating all the Shurim and Drashos this month in honor of the birth of their daughter, Oriya Tahel, and in the hope that all of the Couples, Davening for Children will have their Tulos answered the Karov. To thank Stephen Tarizin for dedicating all the Sherman Joshua's this month in honor of their grandchildren, Adin Tzvi and Naftali Moshe. And to thank Shirley Elbaum and family for dedicating the Shurim this month in memory of Jerry Elbaum. Yaakov couple, Ben Reb Avram Menachem. We hope that in the merit of our time Torah, the Neshama have an Aliyah and the family in Nechama. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, the Plunka family, for dedicating the Shir in creation of the yard site of the Rambam. Moshe ben Maimon, Zechat Sadik, Bekadosh Lebracha. We hope that in the merit of our time Torah, the Rambam's Neshama have an Aliyah. Incredible. Okay, so we'll see with that. Let us begin. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today, a very special daf. Today's daf is, as I mentioned, good bays. We are picking up on the bottom of Yud Aleph Amud Beis, the bottom of 11B. And we are picking up, we are picking up, um, let's actually begin Omar. So it's two, four, six, eight lines up from the bottom. So I'll say, so remember again, yesterday we were, we were focusing on the fascinating Gemara regarding the mistake, original mistake of Belshazzar with the calculation of the 70 years of diaspora thinking that the 70 years had concluded, the Jews had not been redeemed, and Belshazzar celebrating essentially what he thought was the demise of the Jewish people by using the kalim, the utensils of the Beis HaMikdash. Achashverosh understood the mistake of Belshazzar's calculation and was determined not to repeat that mistake. Amar, ihu mitatoi, Belshazzar made a mistake. I will make the calculations and will not make the mistake. After all, again, what was Belshazzar's mistake? Does it say that the 70 years are counted from the monarchy of Babel? Rather, again, the 70 years are not counted from the ascension of the Nebuchadnezzar to the throne. Remember again, that's when Belshazzar, Belshazzar began his calculations of the 70 years from the time that Nebuchadnezzar ascended the throne. It says, Ahasuerus, that's not what it says. Libabel ksiv. What is Libabel? My Libabel. Legolos Babel. Rather, Ahasuerus said the clock starts from the beginning of Babylonian diaspora. Kama b'tzirin. Ultimately, again, how many years was Belshazzar off? Timni, ultimately eight years Timni, so so therefore Achashverosh understood that in fact Belshazzar had celebrated eight years prematurely. Therefore, what did he do? So so he added another eight years. Chada de Belshazzar, another year of Belshazzar, Belshazzar's reign. Chamish de Daryavesh de Koresh, five years combined of the reigns of Daryavesh and Koresh. Vitarti Diday and two years of Ahasuerus's reign himself. Ha Shivin. That gave Ahasuerus the total count or the total tally of 70 years. Kevan the Chazi Dimalu, Shivin Velo Ifruk. Once he went ahead and he saw that the 70 years had elapsed and Klal Yisrael had not been redeemed, 
Amar hashta vaday su lo mifriki. Then Achashirah said, oh, you see from here, the Jewish people are not going to be redeemed. Seventy years have gone by. He thought, so therefore, what did he do? Simply as Belshazzar. Apik money de b'mikdosha v'shtamish b'hu. He took out the utensils of the Beis HaMikdosh and he celebrated. Sachashverosh celebrated in the same way of his predecessor, of Belshazzar, celebrating the demise of the Jewish people by making a grand feast with the utensils of the Beis HaMikdosh. So we'll say, so again, just to understand, what's the feast that the Gemara is referring to? This is the celebration of the be- in the beginning of the Megillah. Achashverosh's grand party served a variety of different purposes. One of them was to celebrate what he perceived was the demise of the Jewish people, the elapsing of the 70 years Jewish people have still not been redeemed. That's why, interestingly enough, in the Megillah, there is a minhag. When you read the phrase, Mikalim, Mikalim, Shonim, when speaking about the utensils used in the, in the, in the party, literally, again, it says, Kalim means utensils, Mikalim, Shonim, unique utensils. Some have the custom to read that phrase in the tune of Megillah's Echa. In the middle of the Megillah. Why? Reference to this Gemara, that the utensils used in the party of Achashirosh were none other than the utensils of the Beis HaMikdash. But of course, we're going to see Achashirosh was wrong in his calculations as well. Achashirosh was wrong. Literally, again, the Satan danced at that party. Vashti. So it's interesting, the Gemara attributes the death of Vashti to the mistaken calculations of Achashverosh. Something bad always happens when you celebrate the demise of the Jewish people. Right? So Belshazzar died. Right? Achashverosh killed his wife. Demars, one second. But the truth is, it sounds like Achashverosh's calculations were correct. What's the problem? To which the Gemara says, Ihunam, Ihunami mitatoi, Oh, says the Gemara, something very interesting. In fact, if you remember again, going back to the beginning of yesterday's daf, so, or I should say the, the beginning of Amud Bey's of yesterday's daf, the Gemara pointed out something very interesting. The Psukim quote two different ways in which the Navi counts the 70 years. One says Lamachus Babel, and one says Lacharos Yerushalayim. In fact, interestingly enough, when does the count of the 70 years begin? From the time that Yerushalayim was destroyed. So once again, Ahasuerus began counting a little bit early. He started counting it from the beginning of Babylonian exile. But interestingly enough, Babylonian exile actually preceded the destruction of Yerushalayim. How many years off was Ahasuerus? So, 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 he was 11 years off. 11 years off. Ihu Kamamalach, so mostly, by the way, you could see this, and now the calculation actually works out. Ihu Kamamalach Arbesa. Achashirosh himself ruled 14 years. Barbesa Didei, Ibaile Lemivne Beis Hamikdash. So if that's the case, then in reality, if he was off, if he was off 11 years, then Halacha Lamaisa in the 14th year of his reign, technically, construction of the Beis Hamikdash should have started. But in fact, remember again, as we mentioned yesterday, construction doesn't, it's not really started, it's restarted, right? Because it was paused by Achashayosh, it doesn't really restart until the days of his son, Daryavesh. So what's going on? Alamak Siv, Ba'adin Batilis Abidas Beis Halakadi Birushalayim. Amarava, so I will say, so if that's the case, in reality, Bakhashosh was off by 11 years, 
then the truth is construction of the Beis HaMikdash should have started at the end of Ahasuerus' reign. But it doesn't start until the reign of his son. To which the Gemara says, you're right, Amarava shanim mikutaos habu. Both say literally translated. If you look at Rashi, actually look at the last Rashi, shanim mikutaos, which literally means they were cut off years or truncated years. Rashi says, osan shanim shemaninon lemalo, yesh bahen shenivlu mishal acharam. Both say some of the years that were reckoned kind of were overlapping years. And therefore, again, even the years counted up until the reign of Achashverosh were not complete. Therefore, top of your base, Tanya Namihachi, a brace that supports this assertion as well. Va'od Shana Acheres Lebabel, Va'amad Daryavesh Vehishlima. So I will say, interestingly enough, it seems to be that some of this happened in counting of the reigns of the kings there were some overlapping years. So therefore, it turns out that the 70 years don't really end until the reign of Daryavesh, right? This is the second Daryavesh, the son of Ahasuerosh and Esther, Veishlima. That's when the 70 years end. And in fact, again, when you do the math, by the time the 70 years end, that in fact is when Daryavesh had ordered for the continue of the construction of the Beis HaMikdash. Incredible. Amar Rav, Rav says, by the way, if this sounds complicated, it is. Af Daniel Ta. Even the Navi Daniel made a mistake about how to calculate the 70 years. The Gemara says, I'm sorry, Even Daniel made a mistake with this calculation. So listen to this. He says, in the first year of his reign, right? I, Daniel, I, Daniel, literally, I contemplated or I thought about, I tried to analyze the calculations. Binosi, the fact that Daniel says, I went back and I thought about the calculations, Michlal makes it sound like makes it sound like Daniel himself had originally made a mistake regarding the calculations. So we'll say, so by the way, you have to understand something. By design, by design, the Malvin points is that by design, the calculations are ambiguous. Right? We know it's 70 years, but it's hard to calculate the 70 years. Think about this. Remember how Kalishbaru wants Godless to be a cathartic experience, a tshuva-filled experience. If you know exactly when Geula is going to come, right, then what do you do? What do you do? You just wait. You just say you don't have to do anything. The whole point of this was we kind of know when it's going to happen, not exactly when it's going to happen. Everybody's making mistakes about the calculations. In an effort, the ambiguity is what fuels the tshuva process. Kashu Now I will say, interestingly enough, when you analyze all of this, why is this calculation so confusing? Because the truth is, the psukim seem to give me two different start times for the counting of the 70 years. One Pasuk says, Ksiv Melos Babel. One Pasuk says, ultimately again, one Pasuk says, from Melos Babel. That, we'll say now, Melos Babel sounds like from when Babel rules over the Jewish people, Uksiv Lacharvos Yushalayim, from the destruction of Yushalayim. So which one is it? So you have to say, remember again, Belshazzar we know was wrong, right? Belshazzar thought Melos Babel meant when Nebuchadnezzar ascended the throne. So that's clear is wrong. But Melos Babel sounds like from the time that the Babylonians ruled over the Jewish people. And then another Pasuk says, Charvos Yushalayim, that Yushalayim was destroyed. Which one is it? Which one is it? Babylonian dominion or destruction of the Beis To which the Amarava Amarava lepikida ba'am. Sorry, Amarava lepikida ba'alma. Lepikida ba'alma. So if you look at Rashi, 
Rashi is right across. V'amar lefimelos bavel shivim shana efkod eschem v'kach haisa shenifkedu b'shnas b'shana achas lekorosh melech paros shehi shnas ayin aleph lekibush yoyak m'shvaz tzvosei. Interesting enough, the Gemara says as follows: It's really two different dates. The Beis Hamikdash will be rebuilt seventy years after the destruction of the first Beis Hamikdash. But Pekida HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembers us for salvation 70 years from the beginning of Babylonian dominion. So ultimately, again, so from 70 years from Babylonian dominion, HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembers us. 70 years from the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash is when HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows for the commencement of the rebuilding of the Second Temple. Incredible. And in fact, amazingly enough, Koresh himself says this. Right? Koresh says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has appointed me to rebuild, to rebuild his home in Yerushalayim. Incredible. First wide line, Yud Beis Amadalev. What's the meaning of the Pasuk? So listen to this. This is fascinating. The Pasik says, the Pasik, let me read to you the Pasik in its entirety. The Pasik says, this is Yeshaya. Hashem said to his anointed one to Koresh, Asher Chazakti Biyamino. I held on to his right hand. Lurad Lefanav Goyim Umasni Malachim Afateach Leftach Lefnei Lasan. I'm supposed to listen to this. Says the Gemara. Why is Korah? Why is Koresh called the anointed one of God? I will say that's like Mashiach. Why is he called Mashiach? So the Gemara says, Vichi Koresh Mashiach Haya. The way to read the Pasuk is as follows. The Ribbono Shel Olam was speaking with Moshiach, the Moshiach. And he says, I'm complaining to you about Koresh. I'm not happy with Koresh. Why not? This is incredible. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I had great designs for Koresh. Great designs for Koresh. I wanted Koresh to be the one who would rebuild the Beis HaMikdash and ultimately again reassemble or, or, or get the Jewish people to go back to Eretz Yisrael. But that's not what Koresh did. Instead of us, Koresh did something very interesting. He gave the Jewish people permission to go back, but he did not push them to go back. HaKadosh Baruch Hu had in mind that Koresh was going to push Cloud Yisrael to go back, but instead he just gave them the license to do so. As such, HaKadosh Baruch Hu complains to the Mashiach about Koresh. Pretty incredible. It's also just incredible. But I will say that sometimes, sometimes, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu has in mind that it's not Jewish people, who, it's not Jewish leaders who encourage Jews to make Aliyah and to go back to Eretz Yisrael. But sometimes, it's again, it's a pressure from the non-Jewish leaders that causes us to once again seek out our homeland. A very, very overwhelmingly profound Gemara. In any event, you also see over here how sometimes you see, if you're Koresh, if you're Koresh, you're thinking that you're doing the Lord's work. Here, right? You're right, you're rebuilding the Beis Hamikdash. You're telling the Jews they could go back. And meanwhile, HaKadosh Baruch who says to the Mashiach, Koresh, is falling short of his agency, of his shlichos. It's very nice that he's rebuilding, and it's very nice that he's allowing. But my kavana was, he should push.
he should push. How sometimes in life I think I'm doing my shlichus, sometimes in life I think I'm fulfilling my mission, but in reality, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants more of me. And when to know, when do I know I'm fulfilling my shlichus versus when do I, am I supposed to push myself more? The great question of life. We'll say, let's go weiter. So we're going to continue now in our, in our Mamish line-by-line study of the Megillah. So remember again, the, the Gemara now set the table, quite literally, for the party of Achashosh. Because remember again, the Megillah opens with the party. Now I understand, and now, now I really understand what's driving this party of Achashosh. So the truth is from the Gemara's perspective, what's driving the party? What's driving the party? Achashverosh's perceived dominance over the Jewish people. The 70 years have elapsed. Klal Yisrael has not been redeemed. Let's celebrate. The Jewish people are a failed experiment. That's what's driving this celebration. So the Gemara says as follows. When describing, Who's invited to the party? Who's invited to the party? So, that means the army, right? The army as well as the nobles, right? So the army is invited, the nobles, but one second, then it also says, for the kings of Madai and Paras. So what's, so what's going on over here? It says, right, which one is it? Amarava, listen to this. But remember again, Achashverosh ruled over the combined Persian Median Empire. Right, remember again, there was Paras, there was Madai, and then there was Paras um Madai. So when these two empires consolidated, they made a, they made a, they made a deal. What was the deal? So the Gemara says, If the king comes from one empire, if Rahi, excuse me, whichever, whichever empire the king comes from, the nobleman will come from the other one. That was that was the deal they made. That's why you find ultimately again paras uparas. So there are noblemen, there are kings. So I will say, in order to kind of I guess preserve a balance of power, they made this deal in this consolidated empire. Baharoso es osher kivod malchuso. So I will say, get ready for this. What do Achashverosh do? What do Achashverosh do during this party? He showed off his wealth. Am Rabbi Yossi, Am Rabbi listen to how profound this is. Am Rabbi Yossi, Barchanino, Melamid, Shelovash, Big Day Kuhuna. What did Achashverosh wear at the party? He wore the Big Day Kuhuna, right? He wore the clothing of the Kohanim. This was Osher Kivod Malchusa. Because I will say, interestingly enough, what the Gemara's dashing over here is Osher means wealth, Kavod means honor. What are you referring to that's Osher and Kavod? It's amazing how Achashverosh, I will say, in general, by the way, isn't it fascinating? Achashverosh was 127 provinces. The Jews are a conquered nation. And I will say one of the things that does not change in the stage of humanity is mankind's preoccupation with the Jewish people. Right? It's not just in the UN Security Council that there is a preoccupation with Israel. And right, every, it's, this is a historic thing. It's fascinating. Achashverosh is assembling everyone. He's in the entire world. He, like we saw yesterday, he rules over the entire world. And yet, like, what's the big thing he's going to do? 
he's going to wear the clothing of the Kohen Gadol. Right? It's just fascinating how, again, the world always has had this preoccupation with Klali Israel. What's his greatest sign of power? He rules over 127 countries. His greatest sign of power is he can wear the clothing of the Kohen Gadol. Because deep down, the world understands the power of Klal Yisrael. We may be small in number, and we may have a very small homeland, but the influence and the dominance and the, and the power that we wield, it, it, again, on, on a Ruchni level, in the entire world, is understood by the Umos HaOlam. Such an incredible Yisod. So the Gemara says, Faz, Ksiv Hacha, Yikar Tzfaris Gedula, So Ksiv Hasam, Lechavoru Lesefaris. Interestingly enough, the Pasuk says, and it was at the end of the days of the party, here's what the king did. This was quite interesting. First, the king made, Ahasuerus made a party for all of the people on the outlying areas. Afterwards, he made a second party. And the second party was just for the residents of Shushan. Just for the residents of the capital city, of Shushan. So, so, I'm sorry? What did I say? I'm just going to go. Rav Shmuel, sorry. Rav Shmuel, so we'll say, Machlokis Rav Shmuel, Chad Amar Melech Pikeachaya. So we'll say, interestingly enough, there's a Machlokis. So again, this was the, this was the structure of Achashverosh's party. First, he went ahead and he made a party for the outlying areas. And then afterwards, he made a party for the residents of Shushan. This is Machlokis. Chad Amar. So the Gemara says, Chad Amar Melech Pikeach Haya. V'chad Amar Melech Tipesh Haya. One says, Achashosh is very wise. And I will say, this is a, a Machlokis that runs through the Megillah. Was Achashosh exceedingly wise? Or was he exceedingly foolish? So man damar melech pikeach haya. The one who says he was very smart. Shapir Avid. Dikariv rechika beresha. It's good to enfranchise your distant constituents first. Debene Masya call Imas Debai Mephaisis. Being king and ruling over such a sprawling empire requires you to constantly cultivate a sense of commitment and fidelity amongst your constituents. So one says, Achashosh is very smart, because what did he do? First, he makes a party for the people in the outlying lands, because those are the ones you have to worry about most. You could always cultivate a sense of connection to the people closest to you at any time. So it was a good idea to first make the party for the outlying, the outlying provinces, and then afterwards for Shushan. Umandar Tipe Shaya, the one who says he was a fool, No, no, no. It's always better to make sure that the people around you pledge their allegiance to you, right? Always to make sure that they are committed and trustworthy. Why? Dimardu Behanach. Because should there ever be a rebellion from the outlying areas, you would be relying on the people closest to you for the first line of defense. So I was thinking about this as well. It's actually a very profound, I think, life machlokis as well. We'll say in the way that a person lives their life, what's the best way to go about life? Should a person be future focused? Right? Should a person kind of be thinking long game? Like, what do I want to accomplish? What do I want to be? Rachok. Right? I'm looking, I'm looking in the distance, and my goal is to try to create a life plan going forward. Or, should, and again, it's not that I ignore the things that are closer to me, but I'll get to the things that are closer to me, the low-lying fruit in life, a little bit later. Or, should a person be focused on the opportunity for the low-lying fruit, fruit of growth? 
Focus on the here and now. What opportunities are in front of me? What can I actualize? What can I maximize? I'm, of course, I'm going to think about what's further away in the long-term game as well, but that's not my primary focus. And I've always said, the truth is, it's a, fast, it's, it's a shayla. It's a shayla. In other words, who's right in this case, right? Rav Shmuel. And the truth is, it's not clear because they're both, they're both good approaches. They're both good approaches. And in life also, right, on one hand, to be solely focused on the short game of life and not to think about the long game is probably a little bit short-sighted. To only think about the long game and not think about the short game is equally short-sighted. So life is this incredible synthesis between, on one hand, taking advantage of the low-lying fruit, the opportunities that are in front of me each and every day, the karov, the karov, but also at least giving some thought to the rachok. What's my plan? Where am I going? What am I doing? What am I trying to accomplish? Incredible. Shalom, tell me this, Rabbi Rashbi. So we'll say the students ask, Rabbi Shirobayachai, the following question. Why is it that the Jews were punished? Right? Why were the Jews punished in that generation? So we'll say, there's no question that the rise of Haman, the decrees of Haman and Achashverosh were perceived to be a punishment against Klal Yisrael. Why did the Jewish people deserve such punishment? Amr lahem, amru atem. So this is interesting. Rabbi Shemar says, you tell me. Good question. Answer your own question. So the Gemara says, Amru mlo, osarasha. So the students answered because the Jews benefited from the feast of Achashersh. And both say, especially if you understand that feast as a celebration over the very demise of the Jewish people, then the fact that Jews participated in that su'uda was the greatest transgression. Was the greatest transgression? We'll say that's the case. It was only the Jews of Shushan who participated in that party, right? The, Jew, the Jews of the outlying kingdom. I mean, there, there weren't that many Jews in the outlying kingdom, right? Jews were, were primarily in Babel. Right in the, in, the, in, in the immediate empire. So if that's the case, the Jews of the greater world should not have been should not have been subject to annihilation. So remember again. So I'll say just to understand the flow. They come to Rashi. Why were the Jews? Why was there a decree upon them to be annihilated? Rabbi Shemayachai says, "You tell me." They answer because the Jews participated in the Suda. Rashi says, "That's fine, but if that's the case, the decree should only be upon the Jews of Shushan. Why would the decree be upon the Jews of the outlying areas of the empire as well?" So they say, "Okay, Rabbi, you tell us." Rabbi say ultimately again because Rabbi Shemayachai says because they bow down to the idol. Rashi points out this was in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had made an idol of himself and required a pledge of allegiance of all of his constituents, of all of those who he dominated, to bow down to the idol. The Jews bowed down to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. So the students say, Rabbi, if that's the case that the Jews bow down to the idol, that the Jews went ahead and worshipped idolatry, then why were they spared? Then why, were, then why were they saved? Shouldn't they be subject to annihilation? So to which Rashbi responds, the Jews didn't really worship idolatry. In other words, they did an external display of bowing, but truth is, in their heart, they never actually pledged their allegiance to idolatry. So just like they only, right, on the outside they worshipped, but on the inside they maintained their fidelity to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we'll say, what's the entire Purim story? 
on the outside, it looks like there's going to be annihilation. But from the inside, which we have the advantage of seeing in the Megillah, from the inside, it's clear that what? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is already orchestrating salvation. Incredible. So the Gemara says, so we'll say, where did the party take place? So this is interesting. Chatzar is courtyard. Gina is garden. Bitan is the palace. So which one is it? Where was the party? So Rabu Shmuel, Chat Amar Harai Lechatzar Lechatzar, Harai Legina Legina, Harai Lebitan Lebitan. So let's listen to this. Rabu Shmuel, one opinion said, in fact, where you were seated with the party reflected your station in the kingdom. Some people were seated in the courtyard. Some people were seated in the garden. And some people were seated in the, in the palace. Different people. The Chadamar, Hoshivan Bachatzer. Others say no. What happened was originally the goal was outdoor party to house the party in the Chadzer. Velohech Zika, Velohech Zikisan, Velohech Zikson. And what happens? Bachatzer, the party grew. Too many people, Chadzer can't accommodate. So Begina, Put them in the Gina, Lo Nisan Libitan, Vechzikson. So in other words, the other opinion says no, there wasn't uh, there wasn't like you know uh, what's the word tiered seating? That's the wrong word. But you understand there wasn't uh, you know there wasn't seating according to the station. They just had to keep moving locations because there wasn't an area until they finally reached the palace that was capable of accommodating all of the attendees. The Masnisatana, Hoshivan Bachazar, Upasachlan Shnei Psachim Echalagina. The Echa Other explained that he put them in the Chatzar, but there were two entry, there were two doorways opened up, one to the garden and one to the palace from the Chatzar. Chur, Karpas, Utcheles. So again, the Megillah, when describing the opulence of the party, says there was Chur, Karpas, and Tcheles. What does that mean? So my Chur, Rav Amar Chari Chari. Rav says Chari Chari. So I will say, what's, what's Chari Chari? Rashi says, this refers to a special type of embroidery. Chari, chari. There were cushions there. Ushmuel Amar Milas. Shmuel says there were there were there was cushions there made of fine wool. Milas Lavana. See, so I will say. So according to both of these approaches, so Chur ultimately means some type of finely embroidered pillows, mattresses, carpas. What's carpas? I'm Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina, Karim Shel Pasim. Again, pillows or cushions made of fine wool. They will say, by the way, isn't it fascinating? How is it fascinating that carpas in the Megillah means an expensive and fine item, right? Right, cushions made of fine wool. And yet what? And yet what? Ultimately, again, by the Pesach Seder, right, karpas, karpas just means your potato and salt, right, or whatever you person uses for karpas. Just, just the most basic, just the most basic things. Rabbi Nachman says something so beautiful. He says, to teach us that in life, a person must always realize that from your expensive cushion to your simple potato, it's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's nothing in my life that's not from the Ribbon Shalom, from the most expensive item I possess to the simplest possession I possess, all from the Ribbon Shalom. Al Galile Kesef, Va'amude Sheish, Mitos Zahab Va'kesef. So I'll say, so literally, Al Galile Kesef, on rods of silver, Va'amude Sheish, pillars of marble, Mitos Zahab Va'kesef, beds made of gold and silver. Tanya, Rabbi Huda Omer, Haroi Lekesef Lekesef, Haroi Lezav Lezav. So Rabbi Huda says there are different kinds of beds. There were gold beds, silver beds. Who got what? 
Well, it depended on your position, right? So Chashuva people got gold, less Chashuva people got silver. If that's the case, are you not creating animosity? In other words, I will say, the whole point over here for Machasherosh is to create the sense of achdos, right? A union, a union. So if you're going to put some people on gold beds, some people on silver beds, doesn't that create friction, right? Look who's on the look who's on the gold bed, right? Who does he think he is? He's on the gold bed. He's on the silver bed. I have no bed, right? So th- th- isn't it going to undermine what Achashosh wants to accomplish? Ella heim shal kasef veraglein shal zav. Rather, again, I will say what it means is the beds themselves were made of silver, and their feet, the feet of the bed, was made of gold. Bahat vashesh. What does it mean? Bahat vashesh. Amrabasi avanim shemichotetos shemischotetos. Al Baalehen. Bahat Vashesh Shabbos refers to stones, precious stones, ultimately again, that are sought after, right? That are desired by their owners. Vechenu Omer, Avne Nezer, Misnosisos Alad Masal. Vidar Visochares, what does that mean? Rav Amar, Dari Dari. Rav says that the jewels were arranged in rows and rows. Shmuel Amar, Evan Tovish Bekrachi Ayam, there is a certain jewel. Overseas, the Dara Shma. The name of the jewel is the Dara Jewel. Hoshiva be'emtza suda. You place it in the middle of a room, and what happens? Umeirlem kitzarayim, and the jewel itself gives off light like the sun in the middle of the day. Right in the Shmuel, they said no. Shekara drar lechol ba'alei schora. So I said, what does dar mean? What does dar v'socharas? It means Achashverosh lifted all taxes from merchants. Right, there was a tax, tax-free, tax-free. Merchants don't have to pay their taxes for whatever amount of time. Vashkos beklei zahav, and he old everybody drank in gold utensils. The kalim mikalim shonim, which we mentioned before, and unique types of utensils. Mishunim miboy. It should say not shonim, but mishunim unique. The Baskal came out and said the earlier ones, i.e. under Belshazzar, they met their premature demise because they messed with the utensils and now you are repeating this same mistake. Going back to what we started with today, Bosite, that the party of Akashverosh utilized, utilized the utensils of the base Hamikdash. So Bosai said, the Malchus Rav, an incredible amount of wine. Amarav, this is incredible. Everybody drank wine that was older than them. So the right, the wine steward would ask you, age, age, please, and you would get a wine that was an older vintage than you. Vashtia kidas ein ones. So we'll say, what does that mean? Vashtia kidas means the drinking when according to the law, according to the rule, ein ones. No one is forced. My kidas, kidas shal Torah. Interestingly enough, the drinking was done in accordance with Torah law. What does that mean? Just like I will say, we know, we've seen this before in Brachus, that you're always supposed to eat more than you drink during mealtime. You eat more than you drink. So to ultimately, again, by the Sudu Vachashirosh, more eating than drinking. I will say, just, just uh, what, what does this mean? That Achashverosh is conducting his su'uda in accordance with normative Jewish dietary law? I will say, so understand something. Achashverosh wanted the Jews to celebrate 
with him. Because remember, he was celebrating the demise of the Jewish people. But understand, Ahasuerus himself, originally, before Haman, has no interest in annihilating the Jewish people, right? It's not good for a ruler to annihilate a pocket of your population. That wasn't his intention. His intention was to celebrate his victory over the Jewish people. And now, again, Eretz Yisrael as a vassal state, the Jewish people as citizens of the Persian Median Empire. And as such, he invites them to join in the... You're, you're part of the celebration. That, that chapter of your lives as citizens of Eretz Yisrael, as a separate autonomous people, that's over. That's over. Now you're part of us. Now you're part of us. So they're invited. Not only are they invited, but Ahasuerus goes out of his way to go ahead and to go ahead and allow them to celebrate in accordance with Jewish law. I guarantee you, there were 50 Ahasuerus on the meat, right? And he brought it out right. You want a double wrap, you get a double wrap, right? We'll unwrap it in front of you. We won't uncork anything if the wine's not the bushel. You could hold on to it, right? Everything, 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 everything. That, that's, the, that's the tragedy of this. Achashverosh was inviting them to celebrate what he perceived to be their own demise. They're both saying, that's not even the height of the tragedy. What's the real height of the tragedy? What's the real height of the tragedy? That the Jews came. That the Jews came. Because they will say sometimes you could be celebrating and the party is totally kosher, yet the endeavor is fundamentally treif. And I will say there are so many situations like this in life where I'm engaged in things that are kosher. What, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing? We'll say no. Come on, we all have private conversations like this with ourselves when we're doing something. And in my heart, I know it's not the right thing to be doing. So I ask myself, well, well, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? And very often the answer is, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? Nothing. Totally kosher. It's actually glot. It's totally fine. But I know it's not the right thing to do. I, I know it's not the right thing to do. It's not the right thing to do because it doesn't advance my life agenda. This is not good for me. I, I know I'm not violating any isurim. I'm not going to Gehenna for this one, right? I'm not, I'm, I'm not, right? Nothing's bad. I'm not doing anything bad. Rabose, I also know just because I'm not doing something bad doesn't mean I'm doing the right thing in life. There are so many things. Sometimes the worst things we do are not usser. The worst things we do often are the things that don't advance my life agenda. They're just not good for me. They're not proper for me. They're beneath me. They don't help me self-actualize. And that's the story of the Megillah. The Jews are attending this party. We're going to see everything is glut. Everything is glut. The wine, kosher, mavushal, the bread, yashan. Everything is as it should be. The only problem is... You're spending your time at the wrong party. Rabbi say, how many times in life are we spending our time at the wrong party? The party's kosher. It's totally kosher. It's just not the party I should be at. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, Einon eis, literally, Amr Rabbi Lazar, Melamit shekol echad ve'echad, shekol echad ve'echad, heshkeo yain midinaso. Rabbi say, listen to this, everybody drank the wine of the original country. Right? Because sometimes people aren't used to wine. From other places, everybody got wine from the original country. Again, to do in accordance with every man's will. We're going to see, by the way, Mordechai and Haman were the two people appointed as like the guys in charge of the Su'uda. 
right? They were in charge of the Seudos. So Lasos Kirtzon Ish Ish, Haman decided kind of what was going to be on the menu, what kind of wine for the general population. And Mordechai was in charge ultimately again of the wine and the menu for the Jewish people. I will say you'll ask, Mordechai, 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 Mordechai Tzadik, how are you participating in this whole thing? You know, say sometimes life is about mitigating bad circumstances. The Jews are going to this party. The Jews are going to this party. At least if Mordechai is involved, he could ensure that what? That what? That the food is kosher, that the wine is not yayin nesach, and that at least, again, no significant isurna will be transgressed. Because sometimes people are just going to go to the wrong party no matter what you do. But at least you could help mitigate the fallout of the negativity. So the Gemara goes right there. Gan bashti amalka asis anoshim. Vashti also made a party. She also made a party. Where was her party? She made a women's party in the palace. Shouldn't Vashti have made a party in, in her own quarters? Right? The women had their own area. So why would Vashti be making a party in the palace? Her husband will say, again, it wouldn't be normal for the women to be celebrating in the same place as the men, to which the Amarava, both Achashverosh as well as Vashti were immoral people. And they both had in mind for the men and women to, to celebrate together, to party together, because they both had a mind for immorality. So the Gemara This is the famous adage, the man has large gourds and the woman has small gourds. Another one of these expressions that works much better in the Aramaic, the idea being, right, the man might have larger gourds, the woman might have smaller gourds, but everybody's interested in gourds, right? So the idea is, everybody in this story is immoral. Achashosh is immoral, Vashti is immoral, which I'll say, there's so much to say about each, each, each of these things as well. But the idea being over here, don't think for a moment there are any innocent intentions by any of these parties. Vashti purposely has her women's party at the same place as the men's party. Everybody having in mind for immorality. But we'll say it's great. It was on the seventh day of the party. And the king, we'll say, the king's heart was glad with wine. Which means what? Which means what? He was drunk. I don't understand. Achashverosh wasn't drunk until now. It took to the seventh day of the party for him to get drunk. The seventh day of the party was Shabbos. Was Shabbos, and what happened? She Yisrael Ochlin b'Shosin Maschilim b'Diveitar b'Diveitish Bachos. So what's you know when Jews when Jews eat and drink on Shabbos, right? So what do we start with? What do we start with? Kedish, Kedish. Shalom Aleichem Malachi Hashares. How does a Jew begin a Seuda? A Jew begins with the Malachi Hashares. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me. A Jew begins a Seuda with Kedish. That's how we start. We start material and physical endeavors with, with a sprinkling of spirituality or a healthy dose of spirituality. That's how we start. But again, the Gentile nation, they only begin, again, I will say, divrei tiflos means lightheaded things, unimportant things. And it's actually more severe. That's how it happened in the Suda Bachashverosh. How, this, how did the Suda Bachashverosh, what was the conversation at the Suda Bachashverosh? Halalu Omrim Medios knows. 
One group said the women from Madai are the most beautiful women. Valalu Omrim, Parasios knows. Others say, other groups said, no, the Persian women are the most beautiful women. Alam Achashash, Achashash says, you're all wrong. The utensil that I use. Eino, lo Madai v'lo Parsi. She's not, she's not from Madai, she's not Persian. Ella, Kasdi. Right, she's a Kasdi. So we'll say, first of all, you see just the vulgarity of this. Right, for a man to talk about his wife, the utensil that I use. You have to understand something, by the way. We're not getting into this now just because of time. To, to, to really understand the Megillah, I would urge you to learn the Megillah with the parish of the Malbim, because the Malbim highlights over here that what's at the, at the cornerstone of the story of the Megillah is a commoner who becomes king and always feels insecure on the throne. Right? Uh, everyone agrees Achashverosh was not royalty. He was not royalty. There's a machlokas. We saw in yesterday's dab. How did he get it? Did he buy it? Right? Was he just exceptionally skilled? But he was not monarchy. Because he was not royal blood, Achashverosh always exhibits a profound sense of insecurity. The Malbim, the Malbim is incredible. The Malbim says, you know, Achashverosh goes out and moves the capital city to Shushan. The capital city was never in Shushan. He made Shushan the capital city because he wanted to put his temple on the monarchy. The Malbim explains, why does he do this whole lavish party, this whole lavish party? So the Malbim explains so beautifully because, interestingly enough, Parasumadai, the Persian Median Empire, was what we call today contemporarily a constitutional monarchy. Achashosh wanted to change that from a constitutional monarchy to a dictatorial monarchy. And one of the ways he does that is he privatizes the treasury. How does he show that he privatizes the treasury? He shows off the money as his own. One of the other ways that he solidifies his claim to the throne is he demeans Vashti. Because Vashti is royalty. Right? Vashti is a granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar. She is a daughter of Belshazzar. She is real monarchy. Achashverosh does not miss an opportunity to demean his wife as a way of building up his own self-esteem. A dynamic that unfortunately happens in too many marriages, but again happens over here because he feels this is the way to solidify his claim to the throne. So he says, you guys are all wrong. It's not the Persian women. It's not the Median women. It's my wife. She's not Persian. She's not Median. She's a Kazdi. And she, she is the most beautiful. So listen to this. Amr Lo. So the Amr, um, um, I'm sorry. Amr Lo. I'm sorry. Amy Lo, Madara, Parsi, Ela Kazdi. With Sorchem, do you want to see her? Of course, the men say, sure, Amrulo in. As long as she comes out unclothed. This is the queen. This, this is the queen. This is the queen. And this is how the king is talking about the queen. And this is, this is, this is, this is the dialogue. I've also think about this. What do we do on a Shabbos when we drink? What do we do on a Shabbos? We sing Zmiris. We say Divrei Torah. And the Umal Sa'olam, what do they do when they drink? Speak about women. And they demean women. And again, even the king is talking about his own wife like this. So the Gemara says, And I will say, Vashti was getting Mida Kinegin Mida. The way in which you conduct yourself is the way in which you are treated. How so Vashti used to mistreat the Jewish girls. And what would she do? She would make them unclothed. Let's say it's bizarre. It's like bizarre. She would make them work unclothed on Shabbos. So she would demean them dafka on Shabbos. 
Therefore, again, Hainu Dixib, Achar Hadvarim Oila, Keshol Chamas Hamadach Hashirosh, Zachar as Vashti, the Is Asher Asasa, the Is Asher Nigzar Aleha. Keshim Shasasa, just like Vashti conducted herself, Kach Nigzar. So we'll say, listen to the Nida Kinege Nida. Vashti demeaned the Jewish women by making them work unclothed on Shabbos. She is called to appear unclothed before Achashverosh and his men's party on Shabbos. Vatima'in Hamalka Vashti. Vashti refused to appear. So Achashverosh sends, sends ultimately a message to Vashti, come and appear before the men's party unclothed. Vashti, Vashti refuses. Well, I just also point out, the Bible point is something amazing. Every time Vashti is talking, the Megillah calls her Hamalka Vashti. Every time Achazerosh refers to Vashti, it's always Vashti Hamalka. And the Bible says it's by design. Achazerosh says, you're the queen because of me. Right? You're not a queen. You're a queen because you're married to the king. And Vashti says, oh no, my dear husband. You are the king because you're married to me. I am royalty. So she always refers to herself as Hamalka Vashti. He refers to her as Valky, Va, Vashti Hamalka. So here you see, Vatima'in Hamalka Vashti. The Queen Vashti who, who are you? I'm not showing up. Mikhti, but I don't understand. We just said that great Aramaic adage. He has large gourds. She has small gourds, right? So they're all immoral. So what's going on over here? Why isn't she showing up? So the Gemara says, My time Because Rabbi says she had an outbreak of Tsaras. Otherwise, it's thought that Malach Gabriel came and made her a tail. Otherwise, Rabbi say, whatever it is, some type of some type of, of, of skin issue developed for her, either a tail or tsaras. The point is, her beauty was marred, and therefore she did not come. So, to be clear, her refusal to come was not that suddenly she developed, you know, uh, you know, Vashti became uh, pious, and suddenly she said they want to be immoral. She felt embarrassed to come. The king got very angry. So So ultimately, again, why, why, did she get, why did he get so angry? So I'm also listen to this. So here's what's amazing. You're gonna, well, let's, let's read it and we'll see. So here's the message that Vashti sent back. You stable boy of my father. This is the exchange right, between husband and wife, right? You think you have Shalabai's problems. Right? So, right? So, so, so now listen to this, right? This is the exchange. This is the exchange. She's, she calls him a stable boy of her father. Now, both say, we're going to see there is a narrative like this that Achashverosh rose through the ranks, that he was a stable boy. He was a stable boy. So she calls him a stable boy. Look what she says to him. Abba lakaba alfa chamra shasi rabbi. My father could drink the amount of a thousand men and he would not go ahead and get drunk. You get drunk right away. So I'll say she, she insults him in two ways. Number one, she calls him a stable boy. Number two, you can't hold your liquor. I don't know which one is worse, right? But they're both, right? But they're both in the front to Achashverosh's masculinity. Miyad Immediately Achashverosh gets angry. I will say, by the way, what's incredible about this? What, what's, what's incredible about this exchange? Right, Vashi doesn't want to come. What, what, what should be the message that she sends back? What should be the message? You don't want me to show up, right? I've got a tail, a little problem, right? I've got a tail, right? Or, or I have tzaras. It's, she doesn't respond that way. She doesn't respond that way. Instead, 
she responds in anger. You stable boy who can't hold your liquor. Why doesn't she just tell him straight out why she can't come? I will say, isn't this a dynamic so many times in relationships that we don't really say what we mean, right? We don't really say what we mean, right? Rather, we say something else. And if we just said what we meant, if we just said what the real issue was, if we just spoke about the real things instead of dancing around them, how much better our life relationships would be. Why doesn't Vashti just say she has saras? I don't know, maybe she's embarrassed, right? How exactly do you break it to your husband and I have a tale, right? You know, how, how, how do you frame that? How do you frame that? Maybe she's embarrassed. She took much pride in her personal beauty. Now her own ego is suffering. So we'll say, what often happens when people's, right? When it comes to ego and somebody bruised your ego, most times people respond with vitriol. That's what happens. You heard my ego? I'm going to give it right back to you. Her ego is hurt now. I'll say, but such a yisot so many times in life in our relationships, we don't say the things that are really bothering us. We don't have the conversations that really need to be had. Instead, instead, we begin talking about a whole host of other things. And then what ends up happening is a brand new dynamic is introduced that often has terribly detrimental effects. Such a relationship, yisot. So the king is angry. The king said to his advisors, what should I do? So man chachamim, we'll say this is incredible. Who are the chachamim we consulted? Rabbanon, Yodea, Rabbanon. He consulted, we'll say his inner circle apparently again of wise men were the Jews of the Sanhedrin. Yodea itim, sheyodin la'aber shonav hadashim. They knew how to go and intercalate the months and the years. So we'll say, isn't this incredible? His go-to council cabinet were the members of the Sanhedrin. And he says, remember, Sanhedrin, judge Vashti for me. So these were smart men. They said, no way. We're not going to do this. What should we do? What should we do? If we talk, she should kill Vashti. Tomorrow, the effects of the wine are going to wear off. And he's going to hold us accountable for ordering her death. If we tell him to do nothing about Vashti, Look, at the end of the day, she publicly embarrassed the king. There's got to be some effect. So therefore, again, the Chachamim feel they're in this terrible bind. The truth is, from the time that we were exiled from the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, by the way, from, by your predecessor, right? We no longer have the ability to adjudicate capital cases, which I will say, by the way, was actually true. Right? Remember again, we saw this Gemara, this is by Second Temple era, Mishrabu Harachtsonin, when murder became prevalent, they left. They left Lishkas Agazes. We cannot adjudicate this case for you. Zil Lagabe Amon Umoav, go to the wise men of Amon and Moab, Tiyasi Bidukhtayu, who are situated in their country, Kechamra Diyasif Al Durdayi, like wine that sits on its sediment. The time of and ultimately again they'll tell you good, they'll tell you good logic. Or they said good to Achashverosh. Shanan Mam binu Arav, Vishoki to Al Shemarav, the Horik Mikliya Kli, or Bagola the Halach, Alkin Amad Tama Bo, Verechalon Amad Bayas. Was it actually incredible? So the Chachamim said, the Jewish Chacham said, Achashverosh, go to the people of Amad Amad. For the truth is, they've never experienced Galos. They're sitting in their land, in their homeland, like wine that sits on its sediment and is able to soak up their flavor, its flavor. And because of that, they're able to, to look at things in a more critical fashion. We'll say, which tells you something amazing. In order to have good judgment, what do you need? What do you need? Yishav Hadas. A person needs a certain level 
of inner tranquility and inner peace in order to be able to see things for what they are. And this is why I both said we know this, that when a person makes decisions, when they're not in a good emotional state, when I make decisions, right? When I feel like I'm not in a good place, those are the worst time to make decisions. Worst time to make decisions. Because at the end, remember at the beginning of the pandemic, there were all of us people were saying, really you shouldn't make decisions during the pandemic. This was a big thing. They were telling couples who were contemplating divorce or different things, don't make rash decisions. That's when we thought the pandemic was gonna be like three months. People said, just, just wait, just wait a little bit, right? So I'll say, but, it, but there's an incredible use. So don't make dramatic decisions when things are not, when things don't, there's bahala, personal bahala, personal upheaval, global, global upheaval. So again, the Jews say, the Jews say, go ahead and speak to Amun Moav. They have clarity because they have serenity. I will say, but also an incredible yisod that so often when we are in a state of personal turbulence, don't make big decisions because ultimately you may not be seeing things clearly. You may not see life for what it is and you may not be seeing yourself for who you are. But this is incredible. So then the Pasik says, and who were the close advisors to Akashverosh? Karshana Shesar Masatarshish. I'm Rabbi Levi. All of these Psukim actually correspond to Karbanos. Correspond to Karbanos. So the Gemara says, what does this mean? What the Gemara says, Karshana Arumalachi Asharis. So remember again, this episode of Achashverosh trying to figure out what to do with Vashti, remember again, this is the beginning of the story of salvation. Right? How so? Because remember again, when Achashverosh kills Vashti, he clears the way for whom? For Esther HaMalka. So what the Gemara says is as follows, really something absolutely amazing. So the Gemara says, so, so, the, so, the, so the Gemara Darshans, this Pasuk is referring to Karbanos. What's happening over here is the Malochim begin to advocate for Klal Yisrael, that Klal Yisrael should be spared. Should we write? Nothing's even happened yet. But the Malochim know what's coming down the pike. Klal Yisrael should be spared in the merit of the Karbanos. Then I both say, what's the problem of the Malochim advocating for us in the power of Karbanos? What's the problem with that? There are no Kabbalos. Basically, this was destroyed. The Bosek comes back to something we spoke about a few weeks ago. Even when there are no actual Kabbalos that are being offered, the Kabbalos that we say each and every day, Parashas Akiyar, Parashas Hatamid, Parashas Akitores, Ezehum Akoman, the, 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 the Kabbalos that we say save the day. They save the day for Klal Yisrael. So this is what the Malachim are saying. Karshana, Amr Malachim, Yashar Zinei HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ribon Shom Klum Mekri Lufanecha, Karim Menei Shana, Kedar Shekriva Yisrael Lufanecha. The nations of the world, do they go ahead and offer up before you sheep that are a year old like Klal Yisrael did? Klum Mekri Lufanecha, Shtei Torin, right? Ultimately, again, Shesar, did, did the nations of the world ever offer up to you the Shtei Torin, the two pigeons like Klal Yisrael does? Admasa, Nations of the world ever build an earthen Mizbeach before you. Tarshish, 
Klum shim shul levanecha be big day kahuna. Nations of ever served before a big day kahuna. Tichsibu tarshish b'sham vayishbe meres klum. Meres klum mirsu badam. Meres did they ever stir the blood in front of you? Marsina klum mirsu b'menachos. Did they ever stir the mincha in front of you? Memuchan klum echinu shulchan levanecha. Did they ever go ahead and prepare a shulchan before you? So we'll say, isn't this incredible? So the Gemara understands that karshana sheisar admasa tarshish all refer to different aspects of sacrificial service. That it is here in this pivotal moment, the Malachim say to HaKadosh don't forget about the Jews. Because the Jews serve you like no one else serves you. They take care of you like no one else, or not take care of you, they, 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 they exhibit a commitment to you through Karbanos like no one else does. And each of these words, Karshana, Sheser, Admasa, Tarshish, refer again to different types of karbanos, refer ultimately to the stirring of the blood, stirring of the mincha, refer to the mizbeach, ha'adama, the earthen mizbeach, and refer to the beidei kunat. So we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up Emir Hashem with Tamar Vayomer Memuchan. We'll say incredible, going line by line in the Gemara. Incredible and overwhelming Gemara. Shkach, everyone.